time on this Friday morning for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. Okay, I'd like to start by talking about wildfires, if we could, because I wanted to get your thoughts on the story that was in the news as well about this national, this proposal, this idea of a national wildfire fighting service. What a marvelously well-intentioned and incredibly stupid Canadian idea that is, <laughs> Simi. <laughs> Tell us, Vaughn, why do you think that? Well, let's start. First of all, you're going to create a national firefighting service to fly over the top of all the existing provincial ones. Don't get the idea in your head that British Columbia, which has an enormous, very well-funded service that could use some help but is very big, BC's not going to shut down its, so you'll just have two services here in BC. Quebec, of course, will never agree to be part of a national force, they will insist on a Quebec force, federally funded, by the way. So you'll get jurisdictional squabbles from one end of the country to the other. You'll have a headquarters in Ottawa, mind you, which doesn't have forest fires, but which is where Ottawa, the federal government, puts its agencies. I just see it, as I say, a recipe for jurisdictional squabbling. And funding. Well, it would be very nice if Ottawa would put more money into training and staffing firefighting in the country. But the federal government doesn't do that. They want credit. They want to put the money out there, semi, on a per capita basis. Look what happens on housing. They don't put their housing dollars in the provinces where they send the most immigrants. They do it per capita across the country. So I just think, as I said, it's a typically well-intentioned Canadian idea and would be enormous waste of money uh, and it wouldn't, in the long run, help in the least. I agree with you 100% on that one. Now, this came up yesterday because there was a briefing as well about, you know, the drought situation, the wildfire situation, the temperatures getting warm uh, next week, and the government is kind of doing the all-hands-on-deck thing. Yes. So, you know, uh, BC did not rise to the occasion when we had a heat dome two years ago. We really never had had anything like it. And as a result, you know, the government's initial response, Premier John Horgan's initial response was dismissive. And the result, we had coroner's report that indicated more than 600 people died. So that's the low point in our reaction. We got a good briefing yesterday from forests, public health and emergency services saying we need to be prepared. Be aware of all the things you need to know. That's good. And they said, look, it isn't expected to be as bad as it was two years ago. So that's all to the good. I think we've had a couple of indications that in spite of the British Columbia government collectively having ridden to the occasion and learned some lessons from last time, um, there's still some problems out there. Uh, there's a good piece in the Vancouver Sun today by my colleague Katie DeRosa pointing out that you know, they promised in June eight thousand air conditioners for the needy. Well, so far, BC Hydro has only actually delivered 360 of them, which is well short semi of what is needed. And the latest heat wave is here. And so what is going on with that? I know there's a story in the sun about this today, right? Yeah, look, I mean, well, first of all, is BC Hydro's in charge. You have to apply. They have an administrative target of a thousand a month out the door. 
Um, the other problem identified in the story today is landlords are very reluctant to just sign off, which they have to do, on having one of these free air conditioners delivered to a tenant. And the reason for that is because, of course, if you've got an air conditioner, it drives up the utility bill and landlords are bound by provincial regulation for low income and affordable housing not to raise the rent. So the landlords are going to have to eat the cost, uh, not of the air conditioner, it's free, but of the electricity drain. And so it's been difficult to get a lot of landlords to sign off on it. And it's bureaucratic. You can understand the reasons for it. But it's also, see me all too often, the kind of announcement we see from this government. Grand plan back in June, 8,000 air conditioners. We're going to look after people. And a couple of months later, they've delivered 360 of them. And that's becoming a familiar theme with this government, I have to say. Uh, whether you're talking about healthcare waiting, public safety, housing affordability. They are very good with the press conferences, the news conferences, and the validation at the front end, much less effective at delivery. They have not yet mastered the under-promise over-deliver, have they? It's the opposite. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's not a bad... Now, you know, when you get lots of coverage at the front end and everybody's saying this is a great idea, you can see why they do it that way. But I think it's starting to accumulate that People don't remember the promise of the 8,000 air conditioners. What they go is 360. That's not even a very good start on what you needed to do. More for us to talk about, including one of the people that we heard from yesterday during that emergency kind of management discussion with the provincial government, Vaughn, was Dr. Bonnie Henry. Yes, Dr. Bonnie Henry was there yesterday talking about preparedness for dealing with the heat wave. And she says the healthcare system is in better shape, more prepared then last time, that's encouraging, although being worse prepared, probably not an option. Um, uh, the interesting thing I thought was that it was the first time we've heard Dr. Henry on this issue that cropped up last month. And that's where a group of Canadian medical researchers did a big series of articles in the British Medical Journal and essentially said, you know, 53,000 Canadians died during the pandemic, and we need a public inquiry into what happened and what we can learn from it. The uh, researchers pointed out that, you know, Canada did better than the UK and the US. We know that. They said that's still an awful lot of number people who have died, and it's a good reason to have a, a national inquiry into lessons learned what we can do better when the next one comes, because this is probably not the last time we'll be talking about a pandemic here in this country. So that idea has been out there for a while. A uh, question went to Dr. Bonnie Henry yesterday. What does she think about British Columbia playing part in that? She is careful what she said, Simi. She said, first of all, we do need to learn what lessons we can and review our performance. So she agrees with that. She was involved in that on SARS uh, some years ago, so she knows that. Uh, but she said she doesn't have an opinion on a national inquiry. She said there are pros and cons of doing that. I have to say I think she has a point. You can see why there'd be people saying we got to have this, but a public inquiry 
you can see what the cons would be as well, I think. I'm a little, I guess, surprised that not one province, like, do you know of any jurisdiction that has done this? Uh, I think from what I've seen, Simi, it's, there are internal reviews in the healthcare systems across the country. Health is another one of these jurisdictional issues. Uh, Provinces did things differently and they're reviewing for lessons learned and there may be even public reports on that. I haven't seen an awful lot of take up yet on the idea of a national public inquiry. And I think Andre Picard of the Globe and Mail, a great health reporter there, expressed it well a while ago when he said, yes, you can see why we need that, but it's also clear, Simi, that it could turn into a political football. So um, it could be, you could have a whole long parade of anti-vaxxers going through. You could have the kind of disputes we've had here in BC over masking and how the schools were managed. You could have debates on lockdowns. And all of that is important to sort through. But I think the great concern is that a public inquiry, and I think it's a legitimate concern, public inquiry could turn into a series of political footballs and maybe generate far more heat than it does light. Interesting. So maybe with a change of government, but you're right, it does dredge up an awful lot that I think a lot of people would just like to forget about it and move on. Well, you know, that's a good point too. And our current problem that we talked about this week, where there's a new variant of COVID out there and the fall is coming and, you know, there's legitimate concerns being raised about safety in the schools and so forth. Dr. Henry was asked about that this week as well. And she said she thinks the people that are raising concerns about the schools and about the new variant and all that have are raising important issues. Uh, Health Canada is reviewing uh, updated vaccines for the fall, and hopefully those will be approved. And she said there's issues in the schools over air quality and all of that. So and masking and all that. So she, you know, uh, The B.C. government and public health in the province is engaged. I think it can rightly say that British Columbia's record on this issue is better than most. But I think, you know, you could also say there were some mistakes made and some things we would probably do differently if we had it to do over again. So if a public inquiry is maybe not the right way to go for that, and and I hate to say it because I know a public inquiry First of all, it's public and I'm in the business of spreading information to the public. But I think we'd also have to say, Simi, that there's so much deep political division around this issue and misinformation and thinking particularly of the anti-vaxxers, who I still hear from on a regular basis. I'm sure you do as well. I do. Um, that, you know, I, I, again, I, as I said, I hate to come out and say, well, you know, I have my doubts about a public inquiry, but... We had a public inquiry into money laundering here in British Columbia. It was very expensive. It cost $40 million. And I don't think it changed anything very much. And I don't think it delivered the goods that even the people who wanted a public inquiry wanted. So, um, you know, they're a very blunt, messy instrument. And I don't know if that's the right way to go on an issue as complicated and as related to fundamental public health issues um, as the COVID pandemic. Good point. All right, Vaughn, thank you. 
Bye-bye, Sammy. Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun making great points as always.